Hello, friends. This is Maureen Lee Maloney, and welcome back to My Doc Journey, the show where I reveal every step in my process of creating a feature-length documentary, even the steps where I fall down and cry. Hey there. So first of all, I want to apologize for all the pops in last week's episode. Obviously, I had a new setup and it wasn't ready to go. And so hopefully you haven't abandoned me because of that. And uh, I think I've got that taken care of now. I shouldn't have that problem again, hopefully. But I do have some exciting news that I think will make up for it. I finally finished my ebook. Woo woo. I talked about this forever ago. I started working on it, then stopped and then started again. It just took me forever, but I finally have it done. I'm really excited. I am honestly, I'm pretty proud of myself for writing this thing and I hope it's really helpful for you guys. It is really for newbie filmmakers and it's meant to give you an overview of the whole process of becoming a documentary filmmaker from knowing absolutely nothing to creating your first feature film. So think of it as a guide to the steps you need to take and the concepts you need to learn and there are actually some links in there where you can get further information. So, to get this free ebook, just visit mydocjourney.com and enter your email address and I'll email it to you. And I know what you're thinking, but don't worry, okay? I won't use your email for anything nefarious and I promise I won't blow up your inbox. Frankly, I hate writing emails, so I think I end up sending updates out like quarterly, if even that often, so you're totally good. Uh, I also plan to make this a bit of a living document because the industry is always changing, so I'll send out updated versions of the book every so often as like significant changes occur in the industry. So it's that giving time of year, and if you're feeling like you want to make a tax-deductible donation before the end of the year, please consider donating to my film, Voice of Vanilla. Just go to tinyurl.com slash vovdoc, and you can donate as much or as little as you want. Like I said, it's all tax deductible. Thanks to the folks at From the Heart Productions who fiscally sponsor the film. And I think supporting women in the arts and women who farm is a great way to spend your money, right? It could also be a really great gift for that hard to shop person in your life who maybe loves food or fair trade or the environment or women's rights. Uh, you can make a donation in their name. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so again, that's tinyurl.com slash V-O-V-D-O-C. I have just two quick updates 
on the film this week. Um, one is that Voice of Vanilla was featured as a hot doc in the making by the Roy W. Dean Grant, which was really exciting. And also, let's face it, it's nice to have someone say, hey, we think you have a great idea and we're stoked about this film. Um, it's it's nice to have that kind of um, support or recognition, I guess. And the second thing is that, I think I mentioned this before, but I'm I'm actually going to be changing the structure of the film a little bit from what I was originally thinking, which was just focusing on women farmers. And now I'm going to be including women at every stage of the process of bringing vanilla to consumers. There are really many different levels to the production of vanilla, and each level really involves women with different stories and, of course, women whose work goes unseen or underrepresented. And this actually includes chefs and other food professionals here in the U.S., which is also a great opportunity to show how people in the U.S. are connected to people in Madagascar. At any rate, this week I started reaching out and speaking to people in the U.S. about being part of the film, and there's one woman especially who has expressed an interest in being involved, and I'm really excited about it, so um, I will keep you guys updated on that. I haven't, you know, nailed anything down yet, but crossing my fingers... Um, yeah, that would be super cool. Oh, speaking of super cool things, I opened up iTunes the other day to look into a podcast that I had heard about, and I saw that on the My Dog Journey podcast page, there are seven five-star reviews. Like seven of you guys have gone and reviewed my podcast and giving me five stars, which is amazing. I had no idea. Whoever the seven of you are out there, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate it. You're, You're the best. Okay, moving on to today's episode. Since many of you will be visiting family, I thought I'd talk about interviewing. So you can use the skills that you learn here and practice them on your family members. So consider this your winter break homework. This is an especially great exercise to do with older family members who probably have great stories locked away that you never knew about. Um, It's also a fantastic opportunity to preserve memories of loved ones. You can totally, you know, just use your phone if you don't have a camera. You don't need high-tech equipment for this. You can just have fun and get to know your family a little bit better. So here are some of the things to think about with interviews. Before you even get started, it's really good to think about your sound and the environment that you're going to do the interview in. You want to listen for things like heaters turning on and off or refrigerators. So ideally, if you can do this in the middle of the day where it's going to be warm and nobody's going to mind if you turn the heat off for a little bit. If you're near a busy street, try to move to a room that's far away from the street to cut down on the noise. And you always want to be listening through headphones 
because it's easy to realize what's being picked up by the microphone. If you're not listening through your headphones, sometimes you don't realize just how much sound gets picked up by the microphone. So it's good to always have headphones. The other thing is lighting. Uh, So I like to have a light to the front and slightly to the side of my subject. That way it kind of lights up their eyes a little bit. So you can see a a little spark of light reflecting from them. This is called eye shine. And without it, eyes can really look dull and flat. It's also nice to have a light kind of above and behind the person to, you know, shine onto their shoulders and hair. This will create depth in the shot by not having your person just blend into the background. As far as composing the image, um, you'll probably want to keep it pretty simple. If you have just one camera, I would frame the shot from just above the hips to just above the top of the head. You don't want to cut off the top of the head. Following the rule of thirds, their eyes should be off to one side of the frame and they should be looking generally towards the other side of the frame. I'll post an example of this on the blog and the Facebook page if you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about here. Also, if you can, make sure the subject isn't backed right up to a wall. Uh, It's good if you can move them away from the wall and have a little bit of depth behind the subject. It just makes for a more interesting shot, especially if you can have the camera at an angle to the wall rather than just facing directly to the wall Um, or even, you know, kind of facing a corner. Ideally, your background is going to be pretty interesting, but not cluttered. So if all you have is a plain wall, uh, one thing you can do is shine a light on it to give a little splash of brightness. And that just kind of breaks up just a plain wall. Once your shot is ready and your subject is comfortably seated, it's good to have a little conversation with them to help them relax Being in front of a camera is like super scary for most people. So I like to, you know, let them know that they're going to be looking at me, not the camera. We're just going to be having a conversation. It's super casual. No need to feel stressed out because there's a camera on you. Um, You can pause and think and just act uh, like they normally would in a normal conversation. And this is, you know, what I try to really emphasize here. I also let them know that I won't be responding to them verbally while they talk. Make sure that while your subject is talking, you're not talking over them. You don't want to make noises. You don't want to be like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, hmm." You know, those normal reactions you do when you're having a conversation, but you don't want your voice in the interview. So I let people know I'm not going to respond verbally to you. I'll just like shake my head or, you know, try to react with my eyes, right? Also, and this is really, really important, do not start talking as soon as they finish a thought, okay? You want to at least count to five before you say something once they're done. There's two reasons for this, okay? One is It's going to be really difficult to edit if you start talking right after the person finishes. 
you might need a little space when editing stuff together to cut to another thing or something like that. So just leave that space. Also, the second thing is that they might have some great facial expressions or or even an interesting insight that comes to them, you know, after sitting there for a few seconds, if you just give them the time to sit in the moment. I've seen veteran interviewers fail at this. So it's something you have to consistently practice to make sure you don't fall into the the bad habit of talking right after people. Now, you may have prepared some questions ahead of time, which is a really good idea, especially if there's some specific information you want to make sure to get because it is really easy to forget things while you're interviewing. So you want to have your important questions written down in front of you and you want to make sure that you review them throughout the interview. However, do not just focus on the questions and jump to the next question as soon as the person finishes their answer. You want to really listen to what the person is saying. You want to look for cues to deeper stories and insights. Because people love to bury the lead. So your job as an interviewer is to dig them up, all right? And you can only do that if you're listening closely. Now, interviews can take a long time. So be aware of how both you and your interviewee are feeling. You might need some water or a snack or even just a pee break. So make sure you're checking in every once in a while. And finally, interviewing can be a really intense experience and it might require some extra emotional care afterwards, both for you and your interviewee. If some gnarly stuff has been brought up, thank your interviewee for for being vulnerable with you. Um, Ask if they have some support if they need it. And then make sure you yourself take some time if you need it. As a highly empathic person, when someone tells me a story, I really experience their emotions. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to carry that with me. So I'll take some time to release that energy from my body. It can be as simple as breathing deeply in a quiet space and imagining the experience flowing out of me. Or if it's really intense, I might need to cry for a little while. Just make sure that you don't ignore what you might be feeling because (laughs) I'm about to go bio nerd on you here. Your feelings represent the hormones that are flowing through your body at any moment. And hormones are powerful chemicals. They can adversely affect your body if they're not managed. Short-term unmanaged hormones can lead to illness or reduced productivity. Long-term unmanaged hormones can lead to some pretty significant diseases. So... It behooves you to be aware of your emotions and practice self-care accordingly. With that, I will leave you. Uh, I'm going to be taking a little breaksy break here for the holidays. So you all have a happy Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, a carefree Kwanzaa, and a super solstice. And I will see you in 2020. 
Bye.